Welcome to Sunday Morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and in response to the events of the amazing resurrection at Easter, it now becomes our job to discern how we respond to the events of Holy Week and Christ being raised from the dead. We are to discern how we are being led to live, to change our lives, to care for others, to welcome others to Christ's table. This is our call and our challenge. Let's do this together. Come on in. I'm reading from the fourth chapter of Ecclesiastes verses 9 through 10 and 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. And though one may prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. This is the word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Hear now the word of the Lord. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all, as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home, and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. All right, friends, we've gotten into a routine here with the last couple of times that I've had the opportunity to preach or deliver a message, um, and we're deviating from the routine. Uh, the last few times I've had the opportunity to share little parts about my story, given that I'm one of the newer additions to our uh, family here at First Presbyterian Church. But instead, um, today we're going to start out with a joke. And I was uh, working on this yesterday while we were at the steeplechase, so hopefully it lands. Let me know. So, there's three pastors. They're getting ready to have their monthly meeting. They've grabbed a cup of coffee. They're sitting at the diner in town. And the first, the first pastor grabs his cup of coffee and he says, you know, I've got this problem. Ever since the summer, we've had these mice that are running around in the basement, and I haven't been able to get rid of them, right? We let the youth and the children run around downstairs. We sprayed mouse repellent, nothing. We've got all these mice, can't get rid of them. The second pastor says, you know, we've got the same problem at our church. We hired an exterminator. I even had a lady that brought in some cats, and we let the cats run around in the basement. Still can't get rid of these mice. The third pastor says, yeah, we had some mice. We had a problem with some mice in the basement at our church. So 
I baptized them and made them all full members of our church, and I haven't seen them since. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So I, I like jokes. I'm not necessarily the guy that has preloaded jokes ready to go at the drop of the hat. That's never really been my thing. Um, I have a tremendous amount of respect that do, for people that do and are able to recite jokes whenever the moment arises. Um, I like being able to laugh. Um, I like listening to comedy specials from people that have the, that skill set, because I think it requires skill. It's a craft that you hone and you work on. And I was listening to one of my favorite comedians the other day talk about uh, the importance and uh, understanding why jokes that are funny end up being that way, why they land or why they flop. And he says that a good joke is something that people can relate to, whether it be from their own personal experience or something that has impacted somebody that's near and dear to them, whether it be a friend or a family member, somebody that they live near. And there were at least some of you, whether out of pity or not, some of you out here laughed at that story or that joke that I told. So there's something about that, that joke that rings true with us today. And I don't think that we all have rodents running around in our basements back home. I think there's something else in that story that we can, we can relate to. We can find some commonality there. Today is the third Sunday in our stewardship season. And the theme for this season is the urgency of hope. And typically during stewardship season, you hear a lot about things like resources, like time and money. Um, and we've kind of covered at least one of those two. And uh, seeing as I don't really have a whole lot of money, and since I'm in college and working full time, I don't have a whole lot of extra time, I had to come up with something else to talk about today. And so today we're going to spend some time talking about relationships and, and fellowship and how we can be good stewards of those things in our lives. And as I started to think about this and consider the, the theme for our season of stewardship, I thought probably important to identify where the urgency is. Because if we're, just, if we're just talking about friendships and relationships, that's something that we can talk about any given Sunday. But there's, there's got to be something different, something important. And to quote my mom, there was... A God thing happened this week, and I stumbled across an article that I had read a while back. It was um, one that I'm sure some of you are familiar with. It was a report that was put together by the Surgeon General of the United States, talking about the, the growing problem of loneliness here, not only in the U.S., but also in our world. And I realized that maybe I had landed on that sense of urgency, that problem that we need to address. We have the opportunity as a a body of believers to, to answer the call for. You see, in this report, it's identified that loneliness is all around us. It's something that all of us deal with in varying forms and varying degrees. Um, but the Surgeon General identifies that it's a bigger issue than maybe what we might think or what we might be aware of. And I wanted to share a couple of um, statistics that I found particularly troubling, not only from the report um, that I was just talking about, but also from uh, Professor Lori Santos, who's the professor of psychology and head of Silliman College at Yale University. Did you know that more than a third of United States adults, 45 and older, identify as lonely at some point over the course of their lives? 
While it may be easy to assign blame for a sudden blossoming, because there was, there was a little bit of dialogue around this article when it came out about whether or not it was really accurate information given that it was coming out on the tail end of the pandemic and whether or not all of this loneliness could be ascribed to the pandemic. Uh, Lori Santos points out that while there are new contributing factors to this newfound sense of loneliness, like isolation during the pandemic, or social media, or other forms of technology. She actually says and cites that there has been a linear progression in the uh, national uh, understanding of what people identify as um, since the 1970s. People have identified as increasingly lonely all the way back to that point in time. Did you know? Nationally, amongst young adults, 60% of people are impacted by loneliness. And this one is particularly troubling to me because these are people who are in these sort of ready-to-go, ready-to-cook, home, uh, like baked-in communities, living in dorms, living on college campuses, things of that nature. Suppose that it's possible to be lonely in a crowd. Did you know that loneliness contributes to more than just feelings? Loneliness can actually increase the likelihood of things like dementia, heart disease, leading to stroke, and ultimately it has an impact on the longevity of one's life. And this is the wildest one. I, I really couldn't believe that there was something so tangible. Did you know that according to the Surgeon General's study, the effects of sustained loneliness have a similar impact on one's health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day? That's pretty incredible. We spent a lot of time when I was growing up talking about how bad cigarettes are for you, so I guess loneliness must be pretty bad too. Uh, there's, there's one last piece of this information that I'd like to lift up to y'all. Um, there's two specific groups of people um, that are identified to be increasingly at risk for all of the things that have already been discussed in those uh, statistics that I shared with you this morning. Um, immigrants and LGBTQ plus people um, suffer from loneliness and the mental illnesses that um, coincide with that uh, feeling at an exponentially higher rate than others in our community. Um, this is largely due to uh, social stigma, discrimination, and barriers to, in, in access to care. One of the most troubling for me, given my responsibility for young people in this church, is that... Uh, Suicide, which one of the number one contributors to people uh, getting to that point. Um, suicide is the second leading cause of death amongst young people ages 10 to 24, according to the CDC. And finally, in and amongst all this doom and gloom, I thought it would be important to share something that might have a little bit of a positive spin to it before we get too far along. Four out of five people that get to this point in their life where they have these ideations, these um, wonderings about whether or not they have a place in this world, four out of five people consider um, ending their own lives will give some form of an in indication that that is something that they're considering, whether it be verbal or a behavioral change. So, again, lots of doom and gloom, but clearly identified something urgent and an immediate need in our world today. I'd like to, to take a look at that text uh, in Acts again, um, because it tells the story of the early church. 
It tells a, 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 it shares a stark contrast to some of what the world looks like today when you look at the information that we've covered this morning. Um, that contrast in this story doesn't really allow a lot of space for loneliness to creep in when people are doing life together in, in this form and fashion. This morning, in our uh, recognition of All Saints Sunday, I want to take a look again at Acts 42 through 47 as we read about a group of saints of the church that are living in harmony with one another. Um, one of my favorite authors, uh, biblical scholar and translator Eugene Peterson, puts it quite beautifully in the message. Everyone around was in awe, all those wonders and signs done through the apostles, and all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal, a celebration, exuberant and joy-filled, as they praised God together. People in general liked what they saw, and every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. I think that uh, this selection of texts from Acts um, in spite of the terrible statistics that were provided in the Surgeon General's study and some of the information provided by the CDC, provides us a blueprint of sorts of how we're called as Christ followers to respond in the face of this crisis. Um, it's sort of a, uh, a medicine of sorts to fight the infection of loneliness that seems to run rampant around us today. Switch things up. Got a couple of positive stats for you to contemplate this morning. Professor Santos cites an overall decline in participation in so-called, or in what she calls third places. These are places outside of your primary residence, your home, or your workplace. Um, she mentioned specifically a decline in church attendance and participation as one of these third places, as one of the biggest historic changes here in the United States. And while initially that may seem like a really bad statistic, I think that it provides us with a unique opportunity. According to a series of studies performed and corroborated in 23 different European countries, all cited by the National Institute of Health here in the United States, individuals that participate actively within communities that are based around mutual aid and support and service of their community have a significantly less... Uh, rate of self-harm. And remember that stat about four out of five people uh, being willing to communicate about their ideations um, to end their lives, either verbally or behaviorally. It's really upsetting to contemplate that that's something that people arrive at, that that's the conclusion that they arrive at with how they are going to live the rest of their lives out. But it, again, in the midst of that despair, there's a unique opportunity for hope. Because to me, if we just open our eyes and we see these changes that people are making in there, the way that they carry themselves day to day, or if we can just hear a little bit better with our ears, we have the opportunity to save people's lives, truly. I think that that's part of what we're called to do as the body of Christ, and I think that particularly that's part of what we're called to do here at First Presbyterian Church, because we've got a, a pretty special thing here. We've got a wonderful community. I can, I can speak to that directly as, as somebody who's been welcomed in as, a, as an outsider. Y'all have created space. Y'all have allowed me to, to uh, get to know each and every one of you, and I treasure that opportunity. 
Um, and it's my desire for us as we come to the end of the stewardship season, it's important for us to contemplate where there may be other such opportunities other than just welcoming a guy from up north to work with the young people of our church. When I read the Bible, there's a lot of stuff that's messy and confusing and I struggle with, um, but there's, there's one thing that jumps out at me and it, it becomes really clear and, and obvious. I can't help but ignore it. Um, you can go as far back as the very beginning. You don't have to read Genesis as a literal historical account. You could read it as po poetry that's full of tremendous lessons for us to internalize and, and implement in our own lives. But if you go back all the way to the beginning, God's plan was not for us to live in isolation, separate from one another. God had a plan, and it was for us to live in community with one another and with God. Again, God doesn't rescue one person out of slavery in Egypt. God rescues an entire nation, delivers them out of slavery, and then encourages them to wander for years through the desert. Um, I don't know if they really had a great community at certain points in that journey, but it was certainly one heck of a road trip. Um, and last but not least, and perhaps most important of all, uh, God didn't send the Messiah by himself. God equipped Jesus with 12 followers that Jesus even identifies as they're going to go on and they're going to do even greater things than I have. We see that in the Gospel of John. In all of these examples throughout the course of Scripture, the biblical narrative, it's clear that we're not called to isolation. We're called to live together. And it wouldn't be a sermon from me if I didn't give you a vocabulary lesson. So, I've got a word for you today. It's not Hebrew. This week we're going with Greek, and your word is koinonia. Koinonia is the Greek word that is used to uh, describe community, and it specifically gets to the root of sharing that's done in community and living together. And I think that that is where I want to land today. When we talk about urgency and the importance of being the church out in the community and being active and how can we, how can we continue to have a presence as First Presbyterian Church, um, I think it's by doing that. I think it's by loving one another well. I think it's by loving the people in our community well. It's by inviting them to participate in the things that we do well. There's a quote that Professor um, Lori shares at the end of an interview on PBS, uh, and it really got me thinking this past week. She wraps up the interview by saying that loneliness is about the quality of our connections and our interactions. And at first I was like comfortable with this quote. I thought, yeah, you know, I'll do a pretty good job. I'm pretty social. I say hello to people. We greet one another twice. Well, if I go to first service, I get the opportunity to greet people twice with the passing of the peace. Um, we say hello out on the front steps after worship on Sunday. Um, Lord knows I put up with the teenagers in the afternoon with youth group, and I make sure that they have fun and we play games and get to know each other a little bit better. Um, but then I started to think a little bit deeper about what exactly that means, and I started to feel a little bit challenged. Um, it got me thinking about how realistically how present am I during some of those moments when we're out front on the steps or when we're having passing conversations here in the halls of the church. Um, 
It got me thinking about uh, whether or not I'm actually listening to Charlotte or Liv when they tell me about the different things that are going on in their lives over the course of the past week, whether or not Liv won her bridge game. Uh, more often than not, I'm probably thinking about how many kids are going to show up to youth group and whether or not the pizza is going to show up on time because uh, they get antsy if it's not there and ready to go. Um, or do I really hear Macy when she's trying to tell me about some things that happened this past week while she was in school? Or am I thinking about whether or not there's one last bag of chocolate chip cookies sitting in the basket next to the lemonade that Cynthia made on Sunday morning? We as the body of Christ are called to be good stewards of community. This means being active in fostering and inviting other people to join us in it. Here again, the words of a much smarter man than me, uh, Eugene Peterson, as he translates that text from Ecclesiastes that Catherine shared with us earlier. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. By yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A a three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. So, today, let us become that strong piece of rope. Together, let's build koinonia together. Let's join in the urgent effort to save lives and to live into the hope that we have in community with one another and with God. Hallelujah. Amen.